Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us today to continue on with our monthly fixed income conversation. Glad to welcome back Alina Galan from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Alina serves as a senior fixed income strategist for the Americas. So Alina, welcome back to Top of the Morning. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. Absolutely. So, Alina, I know you did write the lead article for the Fixed Income Strategist publication from the UBS Chief Investment Office. This is a monthly flagship piece for the Fixed Income Asset Class, and I do want to point that up front to our listeners. The latest publication is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO for their reference. But diving into the piece of it, Alina, within the fizz, you do spend some time outlining the factors behind a shift in investor sentiment. So how exactly would you characterize the current environment for fixed income investors? The environment for fixed income overall is good. Um, Yields are wide and the Fed is getting close to ending a tightening cycle. So investors can find attractive opportunities in fixed income. Now, we had a big scare in the market last month that began with the failure of the two U.S. banks and then the distress of several others. The fixed income market certainly reacted to the turmoil, and investment grade spreads widened by about 40 basis points in March, and then high yield spreads widened by close to 125 basis points. Yields reached over 9% again in high yield, and we're hovering around 5.5% in investment grade. Now, at the same time, we had a major flight to quality, and that caused Treasury rates to rally across the board. And we saw the 10-year rates fall from around 4% in the beginning of March to a low of 3.3%. Now, of course, in order to stabilize the market, the U.S. regulators came with quick and decisive actions. They created the Bank Term Funding Program, which allows the banks to post their high-quality securities as collateral, and they valued it at par. Um, The Fed also guaranteed the uninsured deposits at the two banks that failed. And so these actions by the regulators, along with just passage of time without any major incidents, so that brought back some confidence and stability to the market. And we've actually had a really nice rally over the past three weeks. High yield spreads, tightened back by about 70 basis points from their mid-March wide, and investment grade tightened by 25 basis points. So at this point, we're not quite back to the tights that we saw pre-Silicon Valley Bank, but we are now close to levels where we were in the beginning of the year. So I would say that at the levels where we are today, The market is not pricing in severe distress or a major recession, but given the wide yields, opportunities are certainly there in fixed income. Well, Alina, thank you for that recap, and it does sound like there are some encouraging takeaways, as you pointed out, which has translated to market performance. You mentioned as well, and we'll get into positioning a bit later, but I do want to spend a few moments hearing your thoughts on rates. As you pointed out, we did see some notable movement within rates. So where does the Chief Investment Office, Alina, see rates headed from here? Our view on rates actually has not changed dramatically despite um, all the banking issues that we saw. 
So we still believe that rates are likely to decline into year end. And this is due to the weakening economic environment. But we think that this slowed, this weakening in rates um, is going to happen at a slower rate than the market forwards would imply. So we advise our investors not to chase rates lower, but to wait for opportunities and sell-offs in order to take longer positions. What we did was we actually shifted down our target range for the 10-year yield. So our new target range is 33 to 3.7% over the next few months. And we do believe that the highs in rates have likely already been seen. So we're actually right in the middle of this range today. And we do think that volatility is going to continue. Um, so with the volatility remaining high and inflation, while it is coming down, but we still have the inflation narrative, we would put money to work and add duration as interest rates back up towards the wide end of our new range. So that's a good segue, Alina. Maybe now we can spend some time on positioning, beginning with subsectors that perhaps have felt the most impact from the banking crisis and might be more vulnerable in the event of a market downturn. Yeah, sure. Um, if we look at the subsectors within fixed income, preferred securities were the worst performing fixed income asset class in March. They returned negative 3.7%. And, of course, that's because the preferred index is heavily exposed to bank preferreds. They constitute roughly two-thirds of the entire market for preferred securities. So the yield on the preferred index jumped from roughly 6.5% pre-Silicon Valley Bank failure to a high of 7.5%. Now, if we look at what, what has happened since then, the yield has actually retrenched all the way back, and the preferred index sits at 6.5% again today. So as far as the most vulnerable asset class to a market downturn, I would have to say that it's likely to be high yield, actually. And we think that the banking episode that has occurred, that that's likely to lead to a tightening of lending conditions. And so we don't actually believe in a systemic fallout, but we do anticipate that banks will enact stricter lending policies and that they will face greater regulatory scrutiny. And so we expect that these tighter lending conditions, they will create hurdles for small companies uh, in obtaining access to capital. It will make access to capital more difficult and then it will also make capital more expensive. So the way we're looking at it is if we have a material economic downturn, we think that it is the smaller companies and the high yield sector in general that are the most vulnerable. And that's both from a revenue standpoint, as well as from just access to capital and needing to refinance some of the upcoming maturities that do start to pile up in 2024 and 2025. 
So now that we have a better sense for subsectors within the broader asset class to perhaps steer clear of at the moment, on the other side of this, Alina, where is CIO finding the most value? As I mentioned earlier, we like fixed income overall. The absolute level of yields is really quite wide by historical standards. And with the Fed being close to finishing its hiking cycle, um, and our expectation that rates will decline into year end, that sets us up for a potentially healthy total return in fixed income this year. But with a slowing economy, you really have to be careful as to which parts of fixed income you allocate to. And so we think that it is very important to stay up in quality. And we favor high quality fixed income asset classes such as investment grade and agency MBS, both of which are now providing investors with attractive yields. As I mentioned, in investment grade, we're hovering around that five and a quarter percent yield. Um, and this is without needing to take extra credit risks and go down in quality into the riskier subsectors. Well, Alina, thank you for sharing that guidance on how to best position within the asset class as we begin to close out. You've left us with a lot of important considerations when it comes to positioning. Any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to reinforce or leave our advisors, our clients, our listeners with today? For final thoughts, I would note two things. Um, number one, as I mentioned, stay up in quality. The yields are attractive. There is no need to take extra credit risks as the economy goes into a slower period. Number two, don't chase rates. We are constructive on rates going into year end, but it is not going to be linear. And so we recommend buying rates on weakness and adding duration when rates back up towards that wider end of our range. Well, Alina, thank you again for dropping by top of the morning to keep our listeners current on CIOs thinking specific here today to fixed income and the guidance you provided with respect to positioning. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And again, today we have been joined by Alina Gallant, Senior Fixed Income Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Before we close out, I do want to point out that the publication which Alina has been making reference to during our conversation today, the latest fixed income strategist monthly publication title for the month of April is When Something Breaks is available for you now up on UBS.com slash CIO for clients of UBS. Please be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment 
investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.